Hit well into center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here. Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our virtual party here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Yes, I'm Trent Rush. Really happy to be with you here on this April the 1st part of Angels at Home. I don't know how many of you were able to see this on social media. The Angels are doing something pretty cool across all of their platforms. On Fox Sports West, you can watch games from the last couple of seasons that are going to be re-airing uh, at 7 o'clock pretty much every single night starting next week. The same will be true on AM 830. You'll get a chance to hear uh, some of the great games over the past several seasons. Joe Madden is joining Roger Lodge every Monday for Madden Mondays. That's pretty cool to check out, so you want to make sure you do that on AM830. You can listen to Roger always uh, from 3 to 7 every afternoon, Monday through Friday. Uh, and that's a great place to talk Angels baseball and keep that conversation going. But I love the chance that we have to do it here on this podcast, the chance for you to kind of take in Angels baseball at your pleasure whenever you would like, and uh, I think that's pretty cool that we get a chance to do that here. This is going to be coming out. Last Wednesday, we had our great interview with Ty Buttry. Really enjoyed that conversation. This week, it's Joe Madden, and then we'll have more for you coming up next week as well. So, yes, you can listen to Joe Madden uh, for Madden Mondays on the Sports Lodge every Monday on AM830. But I wanted to spend some time with Joe to talk about a lot of the intricacies of baseball. You know, for me, I spent a lot of time with, you know, great baseball legends. Mark, Mark Langston, Tim Salmon, Mark Gubiza. I'm around these guys a lot. And, and other great baseball minds, Terry Smith, Victor Rojas, Jose Moda, really, really bright baseball people. And part of that, too, is I learned from them, and I've spent a lot of time, you know, in my more formative years of kind of coming up through, um, you know, this broadcasting world, I spent a lot of time with Mike Sosha, getting a chance to learn from Sosha, you know, all the things about this game um, and knowing it at a really high level. Well, I would I would classify Mike Sosha as a baseball savant. I would classify Joe Madden as a baseball savant. And one of the interesting things about Joe, too, not just – the tactical side of it. Sosha is as good as it gets when it comes to the tactical side. But Joe Mann, I think, is interesting because of the philosophical side and the mental side and the motivational approach and the leadership element and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Joe is not afraid to talk about those things, and he really goes into great depth about a lot of that here on this podcast. This is one of the more favorite interviews I have done since this podcast began a couple of years ago. I, I loved our chat with Joe Madden. I learned a lot selfishly, and I think you guys are going to learn a lot too, just about uh, the intricacies of the game. We talk a lot about situational hitting, why it's so important. Everyone says that situational hitting is important. Well, Joe doesn't give us the what, he gives us the why. And I'm really excited to share that with you guys here on this podcast. So without further ado, here's our chat with new Angels manager, Joe Madden. All right, joined on the phone now by Halo skipper Joe Madden, joining us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Joe, first of all, really appreciate you doing this. Secondly, I got to know what you're up to these days. How you staying busy with no baseball going on right now? 
So I'm pretty good at that stuff, honestly. Um, uh, I'm good at doing nothing. I'm very good at that. Uh, what I, uh, I'm really like stuff like this, though. Actually, I'm, I'm trying to. If I put out there to Adam Shotsko, I want to get involved as much as um, he could possibly throw away. Stay in touch with our fan base. Uh, try to maintain the momentum going. Try to reassure everybody that things are going to turn out well here. Uh, just follow the rules. Just stay with the rules. Follow the medical experts, and this will be over sooner rather than later and talk some baseball at the same time. So that doing some videos into the video, got a GoPro, got some stuff coming up on Twitter and YouTube soon. And so actually a lot of fun stuff. I didn't get back to the RV until six o'clock yesterday. I was exhausted. Man, that's a, that's a full day. I saw the video of you riding the bike around and, and just telling stories. I actually thought that was pretty awesome. I think fans are going to like that kind of stuff. Well, you know, that's the thing you never know. Um, Cause it's you. I mean, it's when, when you're talking about you, it's rather boring. But I'm trying to, uh, uh, you know, put it out there and see if anybody's into it at all. I know right now, I mean, I watch it like MLB, right, a lot. And you see a lot of these stories. Uh, the other day I watched a story about Johnny Bench. I got his phone number and texted with him and told him how much I appreciate it. So you just never know uh, what the audience is going to really uh, glom onto, what they're going to consider cool, important, interesting. So you just throw it out there. Throw it out there and Try not to be so judgmental of yourself because I am of myself. And I'm going to continue to do this. I'm going to walk through Gene Autry Park today. That's where I was for years with the Arizona, with the Angels Instructional Leagues and spring trainings. And there's a lot of memories for me there. I want to also video our identity wall at Diablo Stadium. There's something we were building this year. And others, other things, just other ideas. I'm going to walk through our Winnebago tour and do a tour of our RV. Stuff like that that I think people might find interesting. I love it. I mean, that's the kind of stuff like we're doing on the radio, too. I mean, I've you know, told some mm-hmm. stories about how the Angels came to be and, you know, Gene Autry going to get the radio rights and ending up with a baseball team and, and those kind of stories. I actually think you can get a, a greater appreciation for our game today when you can understand the past. And I, that, that is kind of something that, Joe, you talked about when you first got the job in that press conference, talked about connecting with alumni and, you know, explaining the past. And is that something that you think is important for the players to understand, too, uh, of knowing kind of where this franchise has been? And, and I've always argued, I think the Angels have an incredibly underrated, rich baseball history. Agreed on all, on all parts there. Absolutely, we do. Um, look at the players, uh, the guys, the alumni that were coming back in the group that we – reached out to that could not make it um a lot of really really good players i just don't know that we promoted these guys enough over the years i thought that back in the day when uh, when i was uh, part of the organization prior to this coming back um so many good players and I, I learned from them and the coaches we had tremendous coaches within the angel organization for i don't know forever uh when i started in 1976 um that group that was down in hopeville and el centro uh spearheaded by bob clare uh, Del Crando, uh, Larry Hines, uh, Jimmy Williams, uh, Moose Dubing, all these guys could go, I could go on and on. It was tremendous. And then the players that were, were born of all that. So, yeah, I want to put it out there. I think by knowing where you came from, absolutely, there's more pride involved. It's a prideful thing that um, I want the present-day players to understand that. And I think as we move it forward, like I said, there's war in the alumni. These guys are going to help us win. Frankie Tanana at spring training this year. How awesome was that? So yeah. I want to continue to build upon this. 
I want to know what it was like a couple of weeks ago when you guys are gearing up for spring training. You're kind of, you know, there is such a thing as the dog days of spring training when you're out there as long as you are. And it was like you're almost kind of through it. You could see the light at the end of the tunnel. It looked like the season was coming up only two weeks away. And then you had to deliver the news that, all right, well, we're not playing baseball for who knows how long. What was that day like and how did the team take it? Um obviously it's like it's all those how many surrealistic moments have we encountered over the last month it's uh, just another one um surrealism when it occurs in a good a moment like winning a world series that's that's one method and when you're faced with a worldwide pandemic that's another thing so uh just being honest with the guys just with everything like this just be honest there's a great line in a book that i read uh by kim follett uh i think it was the well World uh, was the tri- trilogy that he just came out with not long ago. It's about the Soviet Union, but never deny the truth of bad news. So whatever's going on right now, just be honest about it. It's going to go away, but be honest about it so everybody knows how to process it. So Billy Billy Upper did a great job of explaining uh, the MLB position, the Angels position, and then I said a few things afterwards to the group in a in our clubhouse. And then it was at that point there was a three different uh, methods of being we thought was going to be employed, staying in Arizona, going to Southern California, or just going home. And then he eventually was uh, evolved down into just going home. So uh, the message is always difficult, and uh, but you also, you also wanted to present the hopeful side of this. It's going to be over at some point if we adhere to what the uh, regulations are regarding the um, medical experts. And that's why I've been hashtagging the process is fearless. That's something that um, I had gone going on a couple of years ago. My point is, you stick to the process. There's no emotion in the process. The process lacks emotion, thus it can be fearless. And it is fearless. Stay with the process. And we can just wrap our minds around that, the process being following the advice of the medical experts right now, social distancing, washing your hands, being aware of all these things. It'll go away more quickly. We'll be able to deal with it. We'll be able to deal with it in a way that if it ever were to come back, we'll be ready for it. So just... This is one of those respites. We just got to take a break, take a break, hit the reset button, do the right thing, and it's going to be better for all of us down the road. Joe, just in trying to follow some of the things that you were teaching at spring training, I mean, I've been covering the Angels the last several years now, and and I got to tell Mm -hmm. you, this spring training just looked different. It felt different. There was a a lot of uh, unique elements about it, and it was pretty clear you were teaching a lot of new things to these guys, whether it be situational hitting or, or being aggressive on the bases, trying to you know get closer to home any way you could. How much of your kind of style that is so important to get through in spring training, how much of that did you think was getting through to these guys um, through like four weeks of spring training? And honestly, a large amount of it. Uh, we have such a good coaching staff, and you saw a lot of uh, Brian Butterfield, but I really wanted to highlight him. So Butter did uh, like almost all the base running stuff, and when it came to the defenses, Butter was on the infield. And Jesus Feliciano, I want to tell you, is one of the best young coaches in the game. Uh, he was doing the outfield work, and of course our our uh, hitting trilogy of coaches, um, mainly um, uh, Paulie Sorrento and Jeremy Reed. It's as good as it's going to get. Uh, pitching with Mickey and Maddie Wise and Marcel was on board, having Tony Larusa there. There was a lot of teaching energy going on, and the players were feeling it. There's no question they were feeling it. Uh, I don't know to what level they've been approached like this in the past. I know when social is here for sure, um, this is a part of the methods incorporated. And what you're seeing right now, honestly, 100%, uh, mid-1980s instructionally California Angels. That's what you're <laughs> seeing being taught right yeah. now. That's where I learned it. That's where I learned it. They, 
if you if we actually had like video, I promise you, of instructional leagues from the mid '80s, and you put it side by side with what you saw this past spring, be close to being identical. It's not complicated. It's a simple thing, and players like to be instructed. Players want to hear things, and they want to hear from coaches who they believe in and believe know what they're talking about. Presentation matters. So I think that's what you were seeing this camp, and a lot of it had to do with our great coaching staff. I mean, you have put like big emphasis too, like uh, you know, two out approach. I know something that you were talking about a lot. I felt like every post game interview, keeping an eye on okay, how many runs did we score with two outs? And you know, we saw hitting to all fields, the lines out on the practice fields. Uh, we saw you know bunting drills and what you were kind of doing in, in that sense. Situational hitting, I think, for a lot of baseball people that have been around the game for a long time, know what a critical element it is to success, but. How would you describe just how important it is to be mindful of situations and, and just how key situational is hitting is to win a baseball game? Well, yeah, everybody loves the home run. We all love home runs, and they, and they count, and they, they, they're an immediate run, and I get all that, but they don't happen all the time. Pitchers hit home runs, and better pitchers don't give them up. So you've got to beat all these people to get to the last game of the year and win it. So I want us to be able to play all kinds of games. We have power. We have exceptional power. We have extraordinary power. We're going to hit homers, absolutely. But I want us to take advantage of moving the baseball when it's necessary, hitting in situations when it's necessary. And uh, that's, that's where you, you saw the emphasis on. Watch MLB. Watch MLB when they show games in the 70s and the 80s. You'll see like, these short swings from the hitters, very little movement, a lot of guys choking up, the ball being put in play, and, and the game situation being adhered to in the moment. I want it all. <laughs> I want yeah. us to be able to do that. I want us to be able to run the bases properly. I don't want us to hit home runs when the pitcher makes a bad pitch. I want it all. But if you don't nurture all of it, you're not going to get all of it. You're just going to get guys constantly taking big swings and trying to hit the ball over the wall because that's what they get compensated for. If you want to see more of this other stuff in the game, which I think everybody's yearning for, it needs to be compensated for more readily. And as we compensate uh, the smaller part of the game, the part that's actually more interesting to the common, to the to the real baseball fan, not the common fan, um, you're going to see more of it. But you're going to see more us because on the night that we're facing good pitching, or the night that you have that offensive malaise where you just can't get it rocking and rolling, you got to be able to do other things, man. And it happens. So it's it's just inappropriate to think on a nightly basis you're just going to attack the wall and hit baseballs over the wall. And that's pretty much what's devolved to the philosophy in the game today. Just doesn't happen. And I'm going to hear the the big number situation and you know the big picture situation, and I get all that. I get it, but you have to be able to adapt nightly. And what's what are you seeing tonight? What's happening tonight? I want us to play this entire game. I want the liberal arts method of baseball being played in Anaheim. So let's learn the entire game and adapt according to what we're seeing. John, I think it's interesting you say that because I have always kind of contended that like the more action there is, the more exciting the game. And whether that be hitting runs or stolen bases, doing different things like home runs are, are fun for, you know, the 30 seconds when, you know, you hit over the fence and you trot the bases. But, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of times the strategic element is so important there and what makes the game so much fun for you as a, a tactician of the sport. I know the American League game is a lot different than the National League game, but just how much joy do you get out of that, uh, almost being like a war general and being a tactician out there, having your hands kind of in all things situations in, in a baseball game? Well, honestly, I try to stay uninvolved as much as I possibly can. Um, 
I want our players to put on their own hit and runs, as an example. I want players that are going to be on their own. You run when you see it. When you're, but you, you might see the catcher signs all of a sudden. You might pick something up with the pitcher. I don't want you to wait for me. I want you to be a baseball player. On defense, yes, we're going to start right here, but if you see something, move before the pitch based on something you're seeing. Um, I really That's the way to teach the game. Uh, from my perspective, I think the manager, should we should teach proactively in advance and then stay out of it as much as we possibly can when the game's being played. Only interfere when it's necessary. And that's what people would understand because they'll watch what I do and how I do it, and then you get accused of different things. But the, the thing that I'm most uh, wanting is that the players play the game themselves. And like I say, stay out of it as, as well as you possibly can. And that, that takes into consideration preparation. And then teaching, teaching the mind in our game is way more difficult than teaching physical mechanics in our game. And so the more time you spend on teaching the mental components, the mental aspects of the game, you're going to get a, a player that's able to react in a moment a lot quicker, see things, uh, make better decisions as opposed to that's just waiting for you to do something from the sidelines for them to enact uh, whatever. And that's what's happened to the game. I mean, I saw that collegiately as a scout growing up. I mean, the, the, the sidelines wanted to take over the game. And today, we want to take over the game way too much. Teach your players, give them the information in advance, and let them go play baseball. Does it matter where you're managing or in terms of what kind of personnel you have for how you go about a game like this? Because I guess what I'm getting at is whether yeah. you're in Tampa Bay or Chicago or with the L.A. Angels, however it is, does it make a difference, your personnel, how you go about you know, being a tactician in a game? Absolutely it does. Uh, with the Rays, we, we had some really real speed there. We had some good bunting. We had some power. We had great pitching and defense. Cubs, we had a lot of that, but we didn't necessarily have the speed. So the speed was really uh, subtracted from the game in Chicago. Uh, with the Angels, again, we have some speed. So you want to, you're always going to adapt. You're not going to, you know, put the, try to force the, the round peg into the square hole. You never want to, you never want to do that. So you're always adapting to your personal. I want to believe that the game's going to become faster again, uh, not just us, but other teams. Uh, and if you want the game to be faster, then you have to draft fast. You just don't draft just power. They don't just draft, you know, the person that could, the player that could bludgeon the other side, whether it's pitching wise or hitting wise. You want you want a complete game being played out there. I've often thought that, you know, if you have 40 rounds in the draft, why not utilize the last 10 and just and just really go for speed guys, athletic guys for the last 10 picks, and because yeah. out of that, over the course of three or four years, at least two or three of those guys are going to hit on the major league level. Um, you know, you consistently try to draft 40 rounds and, and, and to the image and likeness of what you want to see, and that's homers, strikeouts, or okay, try to draw a walk and throw hard. But then you're really not uh, getting the player to the organization that benefits in that short series at the end of the year. When you're seeing good pitching, you have to uh, extrapolate runs in a different way. If you don't have these guys on board, then it's not going to happen. So I'm, I'm into all this stuff. Again, the liberal arts method of doing this. Specialization is cool. When I got to go to an eye doctor, man, I want like a guy that's been studying the eye and the eye only for the last 50 years. When we want in a baseball game, you're putting together a team. I want guys that, that are able to do a variety of different things well in the moment. It, that, that brings me t to this next thought. And I know for whatever reason, bunting seems to be like a divisive 
you know, topic of conversation in baseball. You're somebody that, I mean, you've been accused of being a really progressive manager and a real traditionalist manager. You've kind of, mm-hmm. you know, covered the spectrum in that sense. A lot of that depending on other people's perspective, sure. But mm-hmm. why do you think the bunt is, is such a divisive topic in baseball today? It's because it's, it's a product of analytics. I mean, analytics does not like uh, the bunt. Now they like it again because you could bunt against the ship. So since the ship became more popular, then in turn analytics has turned back to the bunt and seeing it as being a productive weapon because it permits you to get on base. I, again, there's way too many overgeneralizations made with all this. The bunt is good in the right moment. Uh, leading off an inning, you're down by three runs. It's the seventh or eighth inning, and you're a guy that, you know, maybe not necessarily uh, a bunter per se, but still has this in your game. Third baseman's playing way back. Why would you not want to try to do that as an example? Uh <clears throat> I'm not a bunter just to bunt up to run to second base um, at any point of the game. But if it's the ninth inning and you got a nice guy on deck with a nice guy in the hole, it's probably a better way to go in that particular moment. You're not going to bunt if the guy on deck and in the hole is, are incapable of hitting this pitcher, and you know that in advance. So there's sure. different times to do different things. It's not everybody wants to just blanketly accuse the bunt of being good or bad. It's not. It's like everything else. It's, it's all based on context. What's going on? What's the nuance? What does the nuance require right now at this moment in the game? You have to remain flexible and nimble. Those that are not, I mean, there's a group that just wants to follow this blueprint, brother. And it's just like it's, uh, I, I do like to map out before the game, but believe me, uh, reality and theory are two different things. Theory is one thing. It's wonderful to map it out. Reality is you have to be nimble. So game in progress, you have to make your adjustments, and you have to have players that are able to do it. You're not going to ask a player to do something in a game that he's not really good at because you never want to put your player in an embarrassing moment. All this stuff. You're talking about spring training this year. All what I'm talking about right now has been discussed. I have these moments, these discussions with the staff in the morning that's taken to the players. These are the kind of things you've got to get your guys to understand. This is how you teach the game of baseball. And, and I think it's a healthy discussion to have. I mean, the more understanding there is and understanding the different viewpoints and being able to sort out, you know, what it takes to win and, and figuring that part out, I think that's an important thing. And, and it's cool that you guys are doing that, um, you know, in, in such a significant way. Joe, in terms of your leadership style and your motivational approach, I know a lot was made in 2016 about your impact on that Cubs team and a lot of that, too, about the guys in the clubhouse, a lot of natural leaders in that room. Mm -hmm. How would you describe your kind of personal leadership style and and maybe what you hope that these angels can be like? Well, I like to believe that I empower people. You know, I like like we're just talking about it. You know, I'll give you my philosophies and I'll – Talk about it, and it's into empowerment. I mean, you you got to you got to let people get out there and do their jobs. And when it comes to leadership, you just can't anoint leaders. I'm sorry, just not that's not the way it happens. Leadership is normally taken, and people are only going to follow those folks that they they um, sense or feel something from that person that that's worthy of me following them. And uh, so it's taken. And uh, with the Cubs, you're talking about David was outstanding, Ross. Uh, Miguel Montero, not spoken about enough. Johnny Lackey, John Lester. Uh, there's a bunch of Ben Zobis in that particular Dexter Fowler. Great group. And that was a big part of success there was the personalities. And I don't know that that's really uh, thought about enough these days. It's the personalities and the character of the group. And sometimes the characters, too. Um, you know, baseball has uh, been wrought with characters throughout its history. And sometimes in today's world, it's being uh, 
frowned upon to be an individual, in a sense, individualistic. Um, so I, I, all of these things were, were factors in 2016. So for me, um, set it up, um, really empower the group, uh, give them some thoughts to work with, and then stay out of the way and only interfere, like I said earlier, when it's necessary. Uh, stay out of the clubhouse. Let the clubhouse, let the players run the clubhouse. My job primarily is to coach the coaches who then coach the players. And when I talk about that, people don't understand that sometimes because they haven't really been involved in this in Major League Baseball. It's 162. It's every day. It's not 80-some games where you have like three practices a week or football that you practice five or six times. It's different. Our game is different. And the more you can stay involved and stay out of the way at the same time, if that makes any sense, um, that's the way to do it. So coach the coaches, let the coaches coach the players, and let the players run the clubhouse. Joe, we saw Balding All Angels happen at spring training. Glad that we got a chance to see that happen, and all for the Respect 90 Foundation. And I remember seeing you at an event in December of 2018 at the Cannery mm-hmm. in Newport Beach. You were out in SoCal, and, and you were talking about yeah. some of your some of your artwork as well. And and I've noticed when I you know I, I was in spring training for a little bit, left for a week, came back, and the wall that I saw that was all white before was all covered mm-hmm. in like this really cool art. And you can kind of feel that, you know, same kind of influence uh, in the clubhouse that you have always uh, been fascinated in, or, or at least uh, interested in. So what is it about um, some of the artwork that you feel uh, is so important for these guys in, you know, in, in how you motivate as well? I'm looking for alternative ways. Uh, you know, people just, they're not going to listen to you like at length all the time. I mean, that's our, our, our attention spans have really been reduced and mine included. I mean, the way, the way information is, uh, is executed today where I read way too fast and I don't read uh, deeply enough. I think we all could be accused of that. We want, we want our information in snippets. It's much more difficult to sit down and read a novel and sit there and just power through it because we want, we want like a paragraph or two. We want to move on to the next subject. So uh, we need different uh, methods or mediums in regards to getting your point across. So I tried to do that a couple of years ago with the artwork. There was uh, nine pieces of art that I developed in the off season, uh, got together with Jason Skeldon, an artist out of Tampa, gave him the vision, uh, sent him some um, ideas. And then he put them on, on uh, canvas or actually on wood at that time, spectacularly greatly done we raised over 200,000 bucks from the originals uh, that year uh, for my charity our charities as well as others like Theo uh, Theo Epstein's um, Johnny Lester Kyle Schwerber and Anthony Rizzo raised over 200,000 bucks with that so it's a visual thing you can sit there and you can stare at it you can look at it you can derive from it what you want to but it's a different way to learn and be motivated so that's what I wanted I wanted to present the preseason that year differently and I also knew that if it was done properly, that it could benefit foundationally and raise money. So putting the art back into the game, that was the uh, concept. And I also was trying to promote the arts in the city of Chicago and beyond the kids. Now, the, the wall you're talking about is the identity wall. And that just came to me. Uh, we were working out. We were working on uh, defense after a practice. And Butter was talking about the next day's work. And he used the word engaged about 10 times. And I thought, man, that's perfect. So I went inside, bought a bunch of paint. Uh, spray paint. I had Keith go get it for Bussy, our vice president of stuff. And I asked Bussy to do it, but Bussy knew an urban artist. Uh, and we got Dewey out there. Started with the word engaged, and every day we started to add a concept or a thought that we had talked about um, during the course of this camp, and it's on the wall. 
So the wall's not complete because of the, the virus. We're going to complete it. And over the next couple of days, I'm going to do a video of it and explain the wall and post it so people understand it. I think organizationally in, in today's world, be a great, in any building, in any place, at a radio station, create your identity wall. And, and so when people walk by daily, they're reminded about what we're all about. And that, you know, this is a long-winded answer, but that's the concept. The identity wall is part of your culture. Well, you can feel that, and I think you're exactly right. And I think it's just—it's really unique. You just don't see that kind of stuff. I mean, I just remember being at that at that dinner, and you're up there talking, and all of a sudden you're going through the five levels of being a professional. And all uh-huh. of a sudden, I get out my—I get—I find a napkin and I had a pen in my pocket. And I start writing down everything I could, just because that kind of stuff uh, is so important to get through to these guys. And I think it's neat uh, that this is happening here. Now, as you kind of get ready to gear up for baseball hopefully returning who knows how long in, in the next you know few weeks months who knows what it's going to end up being but mm-hmm. are, are there things that you're writing now or thinking about or like okay this is this is something kind of unique that i, I want to make sure that i share with these guys or you know here's another you know, philosophy another thought are you getting that kind of time to reflect now well honestly that was last off season i i was just um constantly thinking and writing things down all off season. So I've, I've been kind of like pouring that out this camp. Uh, I've been pouring it out uh, through the media. I've been pouring it out, like I said, almost constantly. New thoughts right now, my new thoughts are what we're doing right now. I think it's important that I stay connected uh, to our fan base, um, our players, and our coaches. I've been more connected with the coaches, the players. I texted uh, Mike the other day. I've spoken with Albert. But I want to create like a, a mass list so that I could just stay in touch with the players and uh, Bussy's working on that right now. So it's right now it's more about this. It's utilizing social media and technology to stay in touch. Oftentimes I've been critical of that because I thought we weren't interacting uh, personally enough as a society in a human way uh, for, for, for a long period of time now. And all of a sudden that we can't do that, technology is all of a sudden becoming the superstar. So obviously, like everything else, there's a balance between all this, and hopefully we create the balance. After this, we're going to be starved for personal attention and interaction after we have this technological moment. But we're also going to find out where this is beneficial and things that we can learn from this. So I'm looking to learn. I'm looking to learn, man. Um, and and but while we're doing that, my intent is to stay connected with the fan base and maintain the momentum and hopefully encourage some of our players to do the same kind of things to their devices in regards to staying out there and, and staying in touch with their, with our group. I love it. Well, hopefully we get a chance to do this again sometime. Shoot, I've been busy learning the last half hour, so getting a chance to talk a little baseball with you, and I really appreciate that. And I'm excited for uh, what's to come. I, I just wish it would come sooner uh, to get back on the baseball field. But, Joe, hey, thank you so much uh, for taking a little time out. Maybe we can do this again sometime. Hey, I'm in all the time. Please just get in touch with Adam. And like I said before, please, folks, let's just follow the protocols in place. We'll get this over with sooner. We'll get back to normalcy sooner. We're all going to learn from this. We're all going to be, we're going to be better for this moment. We are. I mean, it's, it's hard to really realize the lessons that we're going to learn um, now while we're going through it. But at the other side, when we come out the other side of this tunnel, man, it's going to be a lot more clear to us, and I think we're all going to be better off for it. Joe, thanks again, and be well, man. You too, man. Thank you.
Man, how cool. Getting a chance to hear from Joe Madden talking about those kinds of things and that kind of detail. Really enjoyed that conversation with Joe Madden. We'll have to do it again sometime, but of course you can always check out Madden Mondays on AM830 with Roger Lodge uh, every Monday afternoon on AM830 KLAA. All right, I put this out on social media, and it's something I'm going to try to do here on this podcast. Really, as we go through this quarantine time until we get baseball back, I'm going to try to answer fan questions. You can send me tweets at Trent Rush sports is my twitter handle also if you use the hashtag angels recap i can answer a lot of your questions that way as well uh one of the questions i got was from hendrix at team hendrix one who says trent man it's so great to hear you guys are keeping busy in all honesty what are you hearing and what are your thoughts on how and when we get baseball well hendrix um first of all i don't know how busy i have been i mean i, I have been busy doing this podcast i do the updates every day i do the sports page every day so uh, in that sense uh, my workload hasn't really stopped uh, but yes I, I seem to be spending a lot more time playing Monopoly and watching TV it's like when my workday is over okay then what I'm trying to read up on books do a little bit more studying as well learning more about the history of this game I recommend that uh, my buddy Chris Epting's got some great books too that are travel books I have all kinds of plans for when this quarantine time is over to get out on the road and go see great baseball sites across the country uh, but in regards uh, to what I'm hearing about when baseball is coming back look I'm hearing a lot of the same things you guys are I'm not I don't really get any extra insights uh, than what you guys get when you're hearing a lot of the national reporters out there like Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan or, or two JP Morosi is another one I kind of look to them for a lot of the insight uh, that is out there regarding to when baseball is coming back you know it kind of seems like there's hope that maybe first of June we could start to see some baseball back at the, at the earliest and that seems to be like the most optimistic plan of course there are doomsday scenarios out there as well you know I'm not going to try to guess as to when baseball is coming back I am just going to hope like everybody else it seems like in baseball I'm going to hope that there is an opportunity to see baseball come back in June that 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 is what I'm rooting for it seems like that is a realistic possibility I think um you know I'm no expert and though that's just kind of the timeline that I'm hearing uh for what I'm, I'm rooting for and what I think I'll, everybody in baseball the players the owners anybody that works at the stadium uh, fans everybody is hoping baseball is going to be coming back in June and uh, I would be fall in that same category so that's just kind of what I'm hearing right now but that's certainly uh, not a definitive answer as soon as you know we get anything definitive we'll make sure to share that with you because we all want to be at the ballpark uh, as soon as humanly possible we need this uh, virus to go away as soon as humanly possible Pete Weitzner at Weitzner writes in uh, says are the smart people talking about which teams will pop the gate when baseball does resume which teams will be slow to begin as well because of factors related to the late start personally I think that this could be advantage to the hitters because you're going to see pitchers not stretched out yet you're going to see teams uh, have to go to their bullpens early so a team for me that I think is going to have success immediately is going to be teams that slug because I I think hitting is something you can kind of keep up um, you're, you know, it might take you know, like a week, but pitching could take several weeks to get back. And if baseball does end up having a short spring training, maybe it's a week, week and a half, two weeks, just try to get their feet out uh, from under them and get, kind of get back in a baseball routine, baseball rhythm. I think that's going to be an advantage to the hitters. I think it's going to be tougher for pitchers to get re-stretched out. So teams with great starting pitching could take a little bit longer uh, to get out. Teams that rely on that. I think teams with good bullpens um, are going to be – 
very valuable as well because starting pitchers might only be able to go four or five innings when baseball does resume. So teams with deep bullpens are going to have to be uh, counted on because those bullpens are going to have to pitch a lot. And also, not just having you know great lockdown eighth, ninth inning guys. I'm talking about having a bevy of arms that you feel confident with, comfortable with, that you can send out there uh, to go get you five, six innings o- o- overall because you're going to have to have longer performances and a deeper roster. I would imagine that the baseball roster would be expanded when baseball does resume, and a lot of that's going to be pitchers. And so if, if you have a lot of those 4A kind of pitchers that are, you know, relievers that are, are pretty good in the major leagues, you know, maybe not quite good enough to be everyday major league guys, but a little too good to be AAA guys, that 4A kind of pitcher, all of a sudden that guy becomes really valuable once baseball does resume. And I think the Angels have a lot of pitchers that I could put in that category uh, that, you know, I think that's not going to be such a bad thing for the Angels. And they're a great offensive club. The Angels are going to slug. There's no question about that. So I actually think that, you know, look, I, like everybody else, wish baseball started March 26th. But I, I don't think it's going to be the worst thing for the Halos if baseball comes back in June. For one, I think you could have Shohei Otani pitching pretty close to right away. So you'll get to see dual threat Shohei almost immediately. And hopefully, as long as Griffin Canning progresses the way that, you know, we've heard he is and, you know, if – if he gets that injection and everything goes smoothly, everything goes right, and he keeps up his rehab and all is good, well, then you don't have to see a whole lot of missed time for Griffin Canning either. So that, to me, would be really great. So um, in that sense, that that's good news for the Angels. Now, I mean, if you're a team like Houston and Justin Verlander's had some issues, well, you know, now you're going to get Ver- – he might have missed a couple weeks at the start of the season. Well, you know, Verlander's probably going to be back by the time – we're back to doing this, the, the, you know, kind of the big ones, you know, Noah Syndergaard having to get Tommy John surgery, that's going to really hurt the Mets. But, you know, I, I would say that teams with great bats and teams with deep bullpens are going to be the two that I could see really jumping out of the gate and really having a lot of success um, as soon as things return back to baseball. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Trent Rush Sports. Send me more tweets. That was a great question. Both those questions were great uh, from Hendricks and from Weitzner uh, to be able to send that stuff in to get a chance to – you know, keep this conversation going when it comes to baseball. I know a lot of us are having hard times right now, and that's okay. Try to keep your mind busy, do different things. And, you know, even though we don't have games necessarily to escape to, we kind of do because on Fox Sports West and starting next week, AM 830, you're going to have all kinds of games to watch and listen to on TV and the radio. And we're going to keep things going on this podcast as well. And you'll hear from Joe Madden every single week. There's a lot going on with Angels at Home if you – Want to find out everything that's happening and, you know, a list of what games are going to be replaying? Find the Angels on social media, at Angels, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Angels Baseball has you covered. Our social team is really, really great, and they have all kinds of cool stuff coming out. Do want to thank Joe Madden for joining us here on this edition of the podcast. My name is Trent Rush. Thanks to each and every one of you for listening to this podcast and for continuing to check in on Angels Baseball. I love it because when baseball does come back, we got to be full-fledged out there. I know y'all are chomping at the bit to get out to the ballpark and enjoy a game. I am too, and I cannot wait for the day to see you there. In the meantime, have a great rest of your day and stay strong.